Hey everybody, welcome to episode 282 of the Running Rogue podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and I'm excited to be coming to you from a warm summer day in Austin, Texas. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that has been entering my life more as a coach, and I think it's a valuable one for those that want to take their lo- a long-term view with their running. Today's topic is going to be all about running and longevity. I've had several athletes approach me in recent months and say that one of their primary goals is to be able to run into their older ages, to be able to do it for a long time, as long as they can. And that orientation around their running is different, perhaps, than some who may have more immediate short-term goals to run a certain distance or to get a certain time. But I think there are applications for all of us to be thinking about when it comes to running and longevity. So I'm going to talk about some intangible factors and some tangible factors to think about when you're thinking about how can I do this as long as possible in a sustainable way. So we'll get to that in just a second. Before we jump in, wanted to quickly give a shout out to my partner for this episode, Care Of. They've now been a partner of mine for almost two years. They're a vitamin and supplement company that make it really easy for you to get your daily vitamin supplement needs. I'll be talking more about my partnership with them as well as giving you an offer code in the middle of the episode. So stay tuned for that. But thanks to Care Of for bringing this episode to you. Let's talk about running and longevity. Again, I'm going to break down some intangible thoughts to consider when you're thinking about running with a long-term perspective on being able to do it for as long as possible. And I'm going to be talking about some tangible things that apply directly to your training. So let's break it down. We're going to cut this episode in half. I've got about nine things in each category. And while that's 18 things, maybe too much for you to think about all at once, I would encourage you to grasp a couple of these ideas from each of the columns and see how they might apply in your life. Because ultimately, if you want to get your goals, whatever that may be, as well as if you want to stay in this sport for a long time and do it for as long as possible, there's actually significant overlap in the approach for both. And I don't think we often think about it that way. So we're going to step back a little bit from the more specific training and talk about How can you do this for as long as possible? And the longer you do it, believe me, the more consistent you are, the more likely you are to smash big goals. Before we jump into those two categories, though, I just want to set context. I think that it's important for everybody, regardless of what it ultimately ends up being, but I think it's important for everybody, humans, to have a movement practice. And... For the most part, in my experience as a coach and in dealing with other humans, that people tend to find a primary movement practice that resonates with them for whatever reason. People come to me all the time and they say, how can I love running? And and I say, well, here are some things to think about, but you have to also be open-minded to the fact that running may not be everybody's movement practice, and that's okay. As long as you find a movement practice, for some it might be yoga, for some it might be cycling, for some it might be strength training, for some of it might be swimming, could be a sport of some kind, soccer, golf, whatever it may be, I do think it's important for everybody to have some sort of movement practice. And the question becomes, how do you get it to go from a hobby or something that 
you just do casually to truly having it as a movement practice. Because when I'm talking about movement practice, I'm talking about something that becomes integrated with who you are, with how you do things. It becomes like eating and sleeping and breathing. It's something that you have to do to maintain balance, to keep stress low, to move forward in life from day to day. How do you get to that place where anything becomes a movement practice? And that's a good question. I think some of the variables I'm going to talk about today will help you get there. But the reason I call that out is because running doesn't necessarily have to be your movement practice. But if you love it, if it's something you connect to, if it's something that you've started to need, then I want to encourage you to think about it in those terms. It's a movement practice. It is a part of you. It is how you need to function. It is just like eating and sleeping and breathing moving in this specific way is a part of who you are and you want to protect that. You want to protect that, but you also want to do it in a way that reinforces that. It's not destructive to you, but that helps you maintain that balance, that homeostasis that keeps you going from day to day. So it shouldn't be something that tears you down Over the long term, obviously in the short term, it might tear you down with a hard workout or a long run, but over the long term, it can't tear you down. It has to be sustainable. It has to be self-reinforcing. It has to keep you going. It has to feed you. It has to give you energy. And in order to get it to that place, you have to treat it in a certain way. And these things I'm going to talk about are going to allow you to do that and allow you to have that long-term view on what it is. Now, people might say, well, that's great, Chris, but I also want to PR in the marathon, or I want to run a certain time and a half, or I want to run a certain distance, or I want to qualify for Boston, or I want to run a first ultra, or whatever it may be, whatever your goals may be, you might think, well, those are incompatible with thinking of running as a movement practice, and I'm here to tell you that they are not incompatible. And I'll talk about it as we go, as I talk about those tangible training elements. But all of the good, solid, strong training principles that allow running to be sustainable are going to ultimately allow you to also smash your biggest goals. So these ideas, running as a movement practice, running as something that feeds your soul, that is compatible with the idea that you can use running as something that pushes you, that tests you, that helps you smash big goals that teaches you you can do things never thought possible you that you never thought possible those are completely compatible concepts and if you treat running as if those two things are compatible then i promise you you will go to places you never thought possible but what it requires is a much longer term view than many people want to give this sport i i coach runners of all ages all ages from typically early 20s all the way up to I've got an athlete who just turned 70. And so I, I can see the full spectrum, but almost at every level of that spectrum, regardless of what age, I find people that are impatient with their goals. They want it yesterday. And there's nothing wrong with a hunger to get something quickly, but you have to be careful with that because there are no shortcuts in this sport. And also, there's plenty of time, plenty of time, certainly for those young 20 folks, but really at all ages, there are plenty of time, there's plenty of time to go get you what you want. 
and you can't take shortcuts to get there. You have to build that foundation in the right way at each stage so that you can get to sustainable goal smashing. Even at my age, I just actually turned 43 this week. And of course, there's a devil on my shoulder that is always whispering, maybe your fastest days are behind you, but I don't believe that. And I believe that my fastest races at all distances can still be ahead of me. But that doesn't mean I, I get to rush to those things or that I have to treat my running like there's some hourglass that's gradually losing its sand. Instead, I have to continue, even at my age, at 43, to be patient with the process, to do things in the right way, in the right order, so that ultimately I can run those fastest times again. And that's what I'm doing. And I've talked about getting back to the basics in earlier episodes this year. So all I'm saying with this preamble is that this episode is for everybody. It's not just for those that think, oh, I want to run forever. It is for everybody. It's for those that want to have running as a sustainable movement practice. It's also for those that want to smash big goals. And by the way, if you can make those two things sing together by following some of the principles that I'm talking about today, you will not only have running for a lifetime, but you'll also smash big goals. And that's where the magic place is. So let's jump into these things. Again, I'm going to kind of break it down between the intangible elements, the mental side of this, and then the tangible, the more practical training side of this, starting with the intangibles. First thing here is, and I've got nine again on each side. First thing here is take a long-term view. Take a long-term view with your running. Now, what does that mean? It means that when you think about your goal setting, when you think about the work that needs to be done to get better, that you understand that it's something that's going to take years. Not months, not weeks, but years. It also means that you understand that if you want to be the best version of yourself as a runner, it's going to take 10, maybe 20 years of consistent work to get there. This is a long-term improvement sport. There are no shortcuts. There are no quick gains. And certainly you can have quick gains along the way and you can certainly hit milestones along the way. But if you're really, truly wanting to reach that pinnacle, that peak of what you can accomplish in this sport, it's a long-term game. You have to be committed to it. You have to want to do it consistently, not for weeks or months, but for years. So take a long-term view. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to know what you want in five or 10 or 15 years. It doesn't mean you have to be able to see the future and say, oh, I have a goal to be at this place in 15 years. It doesn't mean that. It just means that you understand that it's a commitment for that period of time. If you want to see the best version of yourself and you might have dreams that extend that far, you might not. But either way, you just want to understand that that's a part of the game, that it is a long-term sport that you can not only continue to do it for long-term, but you can continue to smash goals long-term and you just need to sort of settle into it and understand that it's going to take work, consistent work, which is why you have to love it. You have to enjoy it. So take a long-term view. That's point one here. Point two, relatedly, is that you, it's important, I believe, 
to recognize that there's no destination. There, there, there are destinations along the way, but ultimately the real thing that you're after here is simply enjoying the journey, enjoying and embracing the process. There will be goals, there'll be pit stops, there'll be destinations certainly along the way, but the thing that matters isn't actually those things, the destinations. It's about enjoying and learning to enjoy the process, the journey along the way. Because when you love it, when you're doing it because you love it, when you're doing it because it feeds your soul, when you're doing it because it helps you get from one day to the next, and you can separate the value in that from the value in the goal setting and goal smashing itself, then that's where the real magic is in the journey. You have to embrace it as a journey and not be beholden to the destinations along the way. There's no way to, there's no where to go. There's no final stop in this journey of running because even if you get that thing that you think is impossible out there somewhere in the future, then there's going to be the next thing. There's going to be another goal. And what if you don't get it? Then what? What are you going to do? You're going to quit? You're going to stop doing it? No, you're going to keep going because you love it, because it's something you live and breathe. So just embrace the journey as the thing that you're doing it for, not the goals and destinations. And certainly love the goals, love the destinations, love smashing things along the way. That's the gravy. That's the cherry on top. That's the icing on the cake. But that shouldn't be the main thing that draws you to this sport if you want to do it for a long time. It should be enjoying the process, enjoying those daily runs, enjoying being able to get out there with friends and move together. It should be about enjoying that beautiful sunset or sunrise that you get to see on your morning or evening run. It could be about connecting with nature in a way through trail running that allows you to feel feel joy. So embrace those little moments. There's one of my one of my favorite poems in in the world is a poem by Robert Frost. It's called Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. I actually shared this via email with my Austin group recently. I'm going to read it here because it's just four stanzas, relatively short, but I think it captures in a different context the beauty of embracing the journey, even sometimes when it's hard. Robert Frost stopping by woods on a snowy evening. Here's the poem. He said, Whose woods these are, I think I know. His house is in the village, though. He will not see me stopping here to watch his woods fill up with snow. My little horse must think it queer to stop without a farmhouse near, between the woods and frozen lake the darkest evening of the year. He gives his harness bells a shake to ask if there is some mistake. The only other sounds the sweep of easy wind and downy flake. The woods are lonely, dark, and deep, but I have promises to keep and miles to go before I sleep and miles to go before I sleep. It's about embracing the journey, embracing the beauty in the journey, even perhaps in those tough moments, because without the valleys, there are no peaks. Without the valleys, the peaks aren't as sweet. So embrace the journey, not just the destinations along the way. So that's number two here. Number three on the intangible side, related again to that first point, these first two points is 
Don't be in a hurry to get your goals. Don't be in a hurry to get your goals. Oftentimes people approach me and they say, I want to do X by this time. And there's nothing wrong with having general timeline for things. But from my perspective as a coach, again, no shortcuts. You have to build, if you want to get your most potential in life, you have to build the foundation properly from the bottom up. And that means whatever your goal might be, that means taking the necessary steps in sequence to give yourself a shot at smashing that goal. That might mean, or a person with a goal related to the marathon, that might mean actually starting out with some work related to the 5K or 10K or the half marathon in order to build speed to go chase their marathon goal. There's a sequence here, and we should let the process dictate the timeline and not our artificial external timeline outside of that. One of the common areas where this pops up for me because there are natural timelines so rigorously defined is around someone with a goal to qualify for Boston. Again, amazing goal, worthy goal, a common goal in this sport. But often because of that timeline that sits out there in terms of when you have to register and when you have to qualify, people come to me and they say, I want to qualify by this point in order to run this Boston. It doesn't work that way from my perspective where it shouldn't. You should be thinking about Boston isn't going anywhere. You can go chase that on a timeline that is less defined. And it'll come when it should come if you want to optimize your ultimate long-term potential. Don't be in a rush to get to your goals. Again, doesn't mean you don't have timelines. Certainly, you want to put together plans and, and have an idea for when you might be able to get somewhere. But it should be built from the ground up based on the process and optimizing the process and not backwards letting the goal itself or the outcome itself dictate the timeline because when you take shortcuts when you hurry it can cause issues it can cause injury it can cause shortcuts again that will sub optimize your long-term potential and it also again reinforces this idea that you have to have it now versus, again, that long-term view that's going to help you have longevity in this sport and ultimately get your highest potential. So don't be in a hurry. Yes, develop timelines, but let the process dictate those timelines and not the other way around. The tail should not wag the dog, the tail here being the goal itself. You want the dog, the process, to do the wagging. That's number three. Number four, speaking of goals, you want to have ever evolving goals and understand that seasons of life may cause that evolution and it's okay. There can be times when you're more focused on getting certain goals or maybe more focused on performance. And there can be other times when it's less about that and it's more about just enjoying the movement itself. Seasons of life happen where you might have craziness related to work or family or kids or whatever might be going on that puts constraints on your running where you have to prioritize something else. And that's okay. We all have those seasons of life where you have to de-emphasize the running. 
and or you have to de-emphasize your performance-related goals because you've got other things pulling your time. That's okay. Recognize that that's a part of the process. And when those things happen, when that tension happens, let it naturally shift. Keep moving, yes, in whatever form you can because keeping movement keeping moving, doing some baseline level of running is not only going to help you create balance and and keep you de-stressed, but also it's going to mean that when you do come back to more rigorous training and when you do come back to a focus on performance, that you're more ready to do that. It's much easier to go from 15 miles a week to 40, 45 than it is to go from zero to 30. So make sure you just keep moving in whatever form that might look in whatever season that might be. So recognize that. Also recognize that goals are going to evolve and change. There might be a time in your life when speed and getting certain times is most important to you. There might be a time when it's all about covering a distance. There might be a time when it's more about having fun and connecting with a community or people around you. That evolution, there may be a time when it's about certain distances and not others and or vice versa. So it's okay. Those things are going to naturally evolve as you evolve as a human, as priorities change, as your life evolves. All of that is okay. Your running journey can evolve. You don't have to get boxed into a certain way of doing it, to a certain purpose, to a certain set of goals. Let those naturally evolve as you do and don't fight it. It's okay. It's okay to follow that evolution of your interests, of your priorities, because again, that's more sustainable than forcing yourself into a certain box. So that's number four. Number five, take mental breaks. Take mental breaks. And by that, I mean mental breaks from chasing big goals. I'm fully convinced from my own experience that you can't chase goals for 12 months out of a year. You need that time when you're allowing yourself to just follow your whims, to get out and run whatever you feel like. You need those windows of time every single year because not only do we get fatigued physically when we're constantly training hard for something, but we also get fatigued mentally when we're training hard for something, when we're hyper-focused. So you have to give yourself that ability to take mental breaks. Oftentimes a physical break comes with that, but sometimes not. And give yourself the space to do that. Personally, anytime I do a big race, I like to give myself at least two or three weeks, sometimes a month after that big race, that big A goal, to just run based on whim. And that might mean that I do run. That might mean I don't run might mean somewhere in between, but it allows me to just follow my interests, my whims, so that I have that that space, that mental ability to recoup and recover before I get back into that hyper-focused work again. So give yourself that space because mental breaks are as important as physical breaks for your longevity. Relatedly, in those windows especially, but even in those bigger training windows, I think it's important to seek variety in training and racing. Seek variety in training and racing. Make sure you're giving yourself new stimuli every now and then. 
And that, again, in training might look like new routes, new folks to run with, new trails to go chase, new venues, new race distances. Give yourself variety. From a racing standpoint, I already espouse that you mix it up throughout the year from 5Ks, 10Ks to halves to marathons and don't get a stuck, stuck in a rut where you're doing one constantly. But that also might mean jumping on the trails occasionally and mixing it up in that form. It doesn't necessarily have to be ultras, but it could be any trail distance as a way to seek variety. Could mean choosing new routes. As I said earlier, it could mean finding new group to go run with to get some variety in your community, but seek variety. Every single year in some form or another, do something that is different, that mixes things up, that follows your interest and whims in a different way. Because that variety, I think, is key to longevity. That's six. Number seven here, don't let others limit or define who you are as a runner. Don't let others limit or define who you are as a runner. I hear this all the time where people come to me and they're chasing a goal because it's the goal they think they should chase or it's a goal that somebody else put in their head and there's nothing wrong with listening to other people and getting input from others. But ultimately you have to want it for reasons that you personally understand intimately, because if you don't, it is not sustainable. Sometimes I have newer runners come to me because their spouse, partner, friend, coworker got them to sign up for something. And that's great to get you started. But it is not sustainable if you're thinking about running for a lifetime. You have to ultimately have your own reasons for pursuing this sport, which means you got to discard what others think you should do. You got to discard at times what others think you can do, because oftentimes they'll put limits on your potential for one reason or another. You have to throw all of that away. The I can'ts because of expectations from others are the wrong kinds of can'ts to be living with. So ignore others, at least as it relates to them telling you what to do and certainly take input, but develop that unique personal reason for wanting something. Make sure you understand your purpose and don't let others limit you because of their predefined expectations on what you can achieve. Dream yourself. Engage a coach if you have one to help you dream, to tell you what's possible, to get you to think about things beyond what you might have considered, but don't let others put you in a box. So important for long-term perspective in this sport. Speaking of others, number eight here is find community. Find community. As I often say, running is only a solo sport if you let it be and you don't have to let it be. Certainly, if you want that, that's okay. I mean, when I started out as a runner, as an introvert myself, I was often running by myself and using it as a way to solve my life's problems. It wasn't until later that I really understand the power and magic of running with a group. And there are still times when I enjoy getting out solo and just digging into my own brain and solving whatever I might have on my mind. 
But this sport is so much more powerful if you connect with community in some form. It could be a community of friends that you run with occasionally. It could be a running group. It could be a running club. It could be a community built around a race that you like to do. Find others that are like-minded, that you enjoy spending time with, and connect with them through the sport. That will keep you going, I promise you, because it gives you so much perspective. It gives you accountability. It gives you the ability to be excited about the goals of others, which is inspirational back to your own goals. There's so many things that community does. It also lifts you up when you're down, tells you it's going to be okay when you had a bad race, keeps you going when you're injured. It's so important to have that support network around you. So find a community in some form that can help keep you going. Lastly, and again, relatedly to community is find a way to invest in others. Find a way to see the sport through someone else's eyes because that will reinforce your own journey in spades. It's always fun for me to coach, for example, first-time marathoners because when they cross that finish line, I get to remember through their eyes what it was like to cross my first marathon finish line and when you're 20 plus years down the road you kind of forget what that feeling was what the magic of that moment was but when you get to see it fresh through someone's eyes and again it looks a little different for everybody it is so magical and so what does that look like you know if you're not a coach like me it could look like encouraging someone else to run it could look like cheering on someone at their race It could be as simple as tracking them and shooting a text message to let them know you are, even if they don't get it till after the race. Invest in someone else's journey. It could be pointing them to resources like this podcast to show them how they can train and smash their own goals. Invest in others in some way. Take on a mentee based on what you've learned and help them on the journey to their goals because that will reinforce and inspire your journey to smash your own as a coach one of the reasons why i coach and one of the reasons why i love it is because i'm as inspired by the athletes i coach as i am by anybody else certainly by more so than elite athletes i follow more certainly more so than myself i get inspired by my by the runners I coach and it keeps me going not only as a coach but also keeps me going in chasing my own personal goals so find a way to invest in others it will pay back in spades and keep you going for the long term in this sport so those are the intangible variables really take a long-term view We'll talk in a second about the tangible things, the practical training elements. Before we get there, I wanted to talk about my partnership with Care Of. Again, I've been working with them for a long time. I use their products personally. I have a subscription with them where I get my daily packs of vitamins and supplements that help keep me strong as a runner. It's amazing, especially in the summer months, because when you're traveling, all you have to do is peel off a roll of those vitamin packs so that you can take them with you on the road and grab them as you need to for each day that you might be on the road and come back so you don't have to think about what to take, what to pack. 
love their subscription service because again, just like I don't have to think on vacation when I take a roll off. So I'll have to, I don't have to think when I'm going to run out. I know I'm going to get my replenish supply every month. So it makes it really easy. It's simple. All you got to do is go to their website, takecareof.com, take a short in-depth quiz on your lifestyle and health goals. They will give you then a personalized recommendation on what to take. You can also add other things if you like, if you know what you need, but they'll give you that recommendation and you can add them to your daily vitamin packs. And then just like for me, they'll start showing up every month and you can take those daily. Really, really simple. I love it again because I don't have to think about it. Just take a pack a day, get the vitamin D that I need, get the probiotics that I need, the multivitamins and everything I'm taking to make sure that I can stay strong and healthy as a runner. So you can do it too. Go to the website, takecareof.com, take the quiz. You can use my promo code ROGUE50, R-O-G-U-E-5-0 for 50% off on your first order. Really simple. I promise you won't be disappointed. Go to their site, takecareof.com, use the code ROGUE50 for 50% off. So there you go. Now let's talk about the tangible side, the more practical elements. And believe me, a lot of these will sound familiar because the underpinnings of longevity in this sport from a training perspective are all the things that I talk about on this podcast from the very beginning, but we're going to reinforce those things now and talk about some of the nuances of it, of them as well. Again, I've got nine things here. So the first, you have to make sure that in your training, not only from a micro perspective, but also from a macro perspective, you're balancing stress and rest. You're balancing stress and rest. Growth happens when that balance is right. You tear your body down when you work hard, when you do speed work workouts, when you do long runs, you build back stronger when you rest. Now, it's important to remember that when I talk about rest, I'm not talking about doing nothing. I'm talking about active recovery. Active recovery, and I'll talk a second about what active recovery means, but it typically means doing something to help your body recover. Doing something Sometimes running, sometimes fueling, sometimes sleeping. But all of those things are things you actually actively have to go do. It's not about sitting on your couch. It's about doing the work you need to get blood flow to promote healing. So you have to balance stress and rest, which means that the vast majority of the time, 80 to 85% for most people, you need to be running easy. Again, I'll talk about that in a second more. But you have to be running easy and you have to balance that with focused quality work. For most people, that's one speed workout a week and a long run that's commiserate with the distance that you're trying to train, which again, typically is once a week or twice typically in a three-week cycle. So those are the, the key variables. Mostly easy running with a little bit of high-end stimulus, making sure that you have the glue that holds it all together, which is that active recovery along the way. And you have to do that all the time. Not only does that help you be your fastest self inside a training cycle over a four or five month period, but also it's going to help you stay active in this sport for the long haul. So make sure that you're appropriately balancing stress and rest. And believe me, this thing is tough especially when you might be in a focused period chasing a big goal. Sometimes we make mistakes. Sometimes we we go over the edge. We get that balance 
between stress and rest wrong. We have a little too much stress and not enough rest. And that's going to happen. And that's okay. You might end up with injuries here and there. You might end up with things that pop up. You might end up with a feeling like you're flat or fatigued. But it's all about recognizing those moments, learning from them, and then hopefully not making those mistakes in the future. So every time you get that balance wrong, file it away as a lesson for the future that's, uh, that's going to allow you to have that sustainable career in this sport. So number one, you got to balance stress and rest. Number two, you have to slow down. You have to slow down. And I'm one who doesn't believe in slow as an absolute. There's no slow, only degrees of fast if you're training for anything at all. So this is about slow for you, slow relative for you. So you have to slow down and learn to be efficient at slow efforts for you, easy efforts. That is where the magic is. I will often say you have to go slow to go fast. And that is so, so true in this sport. It's also also about longevity. You do it to get the goals, but you also do it to have longevity. Because when you run easy, not only are you developing the appropriate parts of your aerobic system in order to get faster, in order to build a big engine, but you're also putting less stress on the neuromuscular and musculoskeletal systems so that you stay healthy along the way. And everybody thinks that's counterintuitive, especially when they first get started in this sport. They think I have to run fast to get fast, but the opposite is true. You got to run slow to get fast. That's just how it works. You have to embrace it and not only embrace it, but also get better at it. Work on it. Learn to be efficient at all pace levels. Because when you can be efficient running your easiest of easy paces, which can often be hard when you're new to it, when you can be efficient at those paces, I promise you it makes you more efficient at faster paces, which is only going to make you a better runner. So slow down, run easy, learn to be efficient at all of those paces. It's where the magic is. It's where you smash big goals. It's also where you stay healthy for the long term. What's interesting is that, and I believe I've talked about this analogy before, we think that's counterintuitive for running because we think I have to run fast to get fast. Interestingly, in weightlifting, we embrace that concept completely and we don't even question it. And the corollary is very straightforward. In weightlifting, when you're trying to get stronger, you typically lift less weight, lower intensity, more with more volume, more reps in order to occasionally max out and improve your max for any particular muscle group. Running's the same. We do less intensity, in this case, lower, slower pace, most of the time with higher volume, more miles, just like more reps on the weightlifting side in order to occasionally max out rates faster, prove that we can get faster over the long term. The principles are exactly the same as with strength training. We never question that in strength training, but we always question it in running. And that to me is often baffling, but embrace it, slow down, learn to be efficient at all paces. Number three, when in doubt, back off. When in doubt, back off. No one workout, long run, mile, repeat, interval, no one thing you do, race, no one thing you do in this sport is more important 
and your consistency over a long period of time. And believe me, for those that are pushing themselves through races who are into this podcast, you have what it takes to be tough. I don't question your toughness. And so when your spidey sense is going off, when you're asking yourself, asking yourself, maybe I need to back off here. I feel like I'm a little about to cross over some line. Then it's probably time to do that. And so when in doubt, back off because it's better to live to fight another day than it is to push yourself over the limit and therefore perhaps bury yourself or get injured or put yourself into a position where you can't recover from. Live to fight another day the vast majority of the time. I have a prior episode called When to Press and When to Rest. Don't know the episode number off the top of my head, but would highly go. You can search that if you go to runningrogue.libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, runningrogue.libsyn.com. If you go there, you can search uh, the titles of my episodes to find them. So when to press versus when to rest. It's a good episode to think about how you make those trade-offs, when to back off. But in general, I'm not going to fault anybody for, for making the decision to back off, for, to live to fight another day on any moment, because that's what's going to promote longevity. It's also what's going to help, help keep you healthy and consistent so that you can smash your big goals. So when in doubt, back off. And if you're not sure, ask somebody. Again, talk to your coach, talk to your running partners, say, hey, what do you think about this decision? And listen to them. That's three. Number four, do your recovery work. Do your recovery work, especially those recovery runs. I'll talk in the next point about other recovery modalities, but recovery running is so, so important. After your hard efforts, quality workouts, long runs, you have to follow each of those hard days or long days with a recovery run. Movement equals blood flow equals healing. Motion is lotion. We get hurt when we skip that part. We have to get in those recovery runs at easy efforts in order to keep going, in order to heal so that you can then do the next hard effort. People get hurt when they skip that. People come to me all the time and they say, I can't run five days a week or I can't run six days a week. I'll get injured when I do it. And the answer is yes, you can run five days a week. Yes, you can run six days a week. But you have to balance those days so that some of those days are easy, super easy, short recovery runs. Because oftentimes when somebody tells me they can't run five or six days, it's because they're running too fast every day or maybe they're going too long every day. And they need to modulate that so that those recovery runs could be three, it could be four, it could be five miles for the more advanced or experienced runners could be more than that. But those runs have to be super easy, at least two minutes slower. And marathon pace, at least two and a half minutes slower than half marathon pace. Glacially slow, as my co-coach Ruth England says here at Rogue, you have to go easy on those days because it's not about building fitness on those days. It's about recovery. It's about healing. And so you want to be able to move in a way that promotes blood flow so that the body can heal itself because that's what that's how it happens that's what 
that's how your body heals itself is by getting blood flow to those muscles and cells that have been destroyed from the hard work. And easy movement is the way it happens. So don't neglect those recovery runs. Put one after every longer hard effort before you do something else longer hard. Otherwise, you won't recover. You'll get injured. Then therefore you'll be inconsistent and you'll short circuit what you can do for the long term. Next thing recovery recovery related is don't forget those other recovery modalities and how they're prioritized. We're constantly sold different recovery modalities that we have to pay for. But the reality is that the the top, the most important recovery modalities you don't have to pay for, at least not in any extra way. Sleep, your number one tool. Sleep is your number one recovery tool. The body heals itself also when it's sleeping. So get proper sleep. Take naps if you need to. Fueling, especially post-run. I talked about it in my last episode, episode 281, about post-gaming your runs. Make sure you're fueling properly post-run and throughout the week to fuel the work that you're doing. Your body can't heal itself, and it certainly won't have longevity in the sport if you're under-fueling. And then thirdly, related to recovery running is easy movement. That's your third best recovery modality. And certainly recovery runs can be a part of that, but there's other forms of easy movement that can be a part of recovery, which is going for a simple walk after a long run or speed workout in the afternoon that day. That's a gentle way to promote blood flow, which can promote healing. Doing some foam rolling where you're doing that self-massage, which promotes mobility in your working muscles so that again, they can heal themselves. Doing simple mobility work, maybe simple strength work helps promote movement, which makes those muscles stronger, but also happier on the way to recovery. So sleep, fueling, easy movement, other ways to invest in recovery that are going to help you stay in this for the long haul. You don't have to think about ice baths or cryo or necessarily paying for fancy massages, although I do like those personally every now and then. You don't have to spend a lot of money to recover and to have longevity. You just simply have to invest in the basics, sleep, post-run fueling, easy movement. So another point here, manage your peaks and valleys in a year. I alluded to this from a mental standpoint where it's important to have those breaks within a year where you're not mentally focused really sharply on a goal. But it's true for the physical side as well. You have to manage those peaks and valleys. You need to taper before big races. You need to take time post-race to properly recover from a half marathon. I recommend one to two weeks of recovery where you're not back into focus training yet. You're still running perhaps, but not back into focus training for a marathon. At least three weeks, no matter what your future goals are, you have to give yourself that recovery time because especially for the marathon, your body's going to be rebuilding itself well beyond you feeling the soreness in those muscles. And it takes about three weeks, about a mile per day for a hard marathon to recover. And if you short circuit that, if you jump back in too soon, then you are going to limit your potential. It will come back to haunt you at some point because you're going to end up injured. So you can't short circuit those peaks and valleys from a training perspective taper properly 
take it easy post big race or peak in a way that allows your body to physically recover so that you can then build to the higher place, which means detraining. Yes, absolutely. That's an actually an important part of getting to a higher place in a future cycle. You have to detrain to retrain to a higher plane. So that's okay. It's actually an important part of the process. Let your body detrain. Sure, run if you're motivated to. Keep the movement easy. Get out there with whatever frequency your body and mind allows, but don't get back into focus training for some window of time after those peaks. You have to detrain in order to reset the system and then ultimately build to a higher place because we can't be on it year round. We just can't. It's not sustainable. It also leads to lower peaks, plateaus, when we're constantly going from one big peak to the next and doing that at a frequency that's not sustainable. So manage those peaks and valleys across the gear. Next one here, recognize when your training needs to change. Recognize when your training needs to change. And this can come in different forms. Again, I alluded to it a little bit from the mental side of we have those seasons of life and those can happen regardless of your age where your training may need to evolve because your priorities have evolved. Recognize that and then make the adjustments. And those adjustments can come in different forms. It could come in backing off volume a little bit, could come in backing off frequency a little bit, backing off quality a little bit, adding perhaps more recovery days between big or hard efforts. That can come because of stress at work, stress in life, needing to shift those priorities. It can also come over time as we age, as the body starts to require more time between big efforts. I can tell you at 43, my current in my current situation and how I feel, I do actually feel like I need a little bit more time between hard efforts. And I was talking with my coach, Kathy, about that recently, where the next big cycle that I go into, we're going to be a little bit more mindful of the gaps between my big workouts so that I can make sure that I'm recovering. Because I think, honestly, in the spring, I, I did too much too close together in, in a format that worked perhaps 10 years ago, but that may not be working now. And it doesn't mean that I can't get to a higher place from a training perspective and speed perspective than I was before. It just means that I have to do it by working smarter and not harder. So recognize when you need to make those shifts. And again, it could come at an earlier age because of a time and priority shift where you have to reinvest your energy in a different place. And it can come at some point later in life when your training has to evolve as you age for for recovery purposes. So that's the next one here. Last one that we talk that we're going to talk about is strength and mobility. Talked about this recently in my late bloomers podcast. It's so, so important for longevity that you invest in strength and mobility at least a couple of times a week. And it doesn't necessarily have to be crazy weight or super robust. You just need a basic routine that's going to allow you to stay strong and to stay mobile. And it's going to look a little bit different perhaps for everybody, depending on what's going to work for you, but keep the movements simple could be as simple as squats, push-ups, deadlifts, single leg, as well as two leg, maybe some lunges, some planks, 
chin-ups, very simple exercises that you can do a couple of times a week, maybe in a 30 to 45 minute window to just stay strong, stay mobile, make sure you're moving in three dimensions instead of just the two that we do for running. It's going to be critical for longevity. Especially as we age, our muscle mass starts to decrease naturally. And at that point, you just you have to do it in order to try to maintain and hang on to some of that muscle as you age. It's a natural part of the process. But also, it's going to help you be stronger and more resilient at any age when it comes to chasing those big goals. So make sure you find a way to incorporate a couple of days a week of strength training or mobility work in whatever form is sustainable for you and keep doing it. Keep doing it. And I'm a big believer that fewer things done consistently is better than a bunch of things done inconsistently because oftentimes in this area, people bite off more than they can sustainably chew. So bite off a small chunk, whatever you think is sustainable, do it consistently for months. And then when you get that routine established, then you can reconsider and let it evolve as as time allows, but you don't have to overdo it or overthink it at all. So invest in those little doses of strength and mobility that are going to allow you to do this for the long haul. So that was number nine on the tangible side. As I put a bow on this whole episode, especially speaking about the tangible side to start, longevity in this sport and Getting to your peak potential in the sport is primarily about consistent routines that are sustainable. It's not about hero efforts. It's not about doing anything crazy or off the charts. That's might only be sustainable in short windows. It's just about chopping wood, carrying water, doing the basics from week to week in a way that allows you to do it sustainably from week to week to month to month to year to year to ultimately decade to decade. That's what's going to keep you going. And so it's this basic blocking and tackling and training, balancing stress and rest, recovering properly, investing in the things that are going to keep you healthy. That's what it's all about. And if you do those things, you will smash your goals. You will be in this for the long haul. And then on the mental side, same equation essentially follows. It's not about hero efforts. It's about understanding that this is a long-term game, loving the journey, loving the process, and letting the goals around you evolve and change as your life changes and as your interests evolve. And that's okay. That's sustainable. And then, of course, finding a community that will help you do it along the way. All of that is going to keep you in the sport for as long as you want to be. And that is something I wish on all of you. So with that, I'm going to wrap this episode. Thanks to Kara for sponsoring this episode. Again, if you want to redeem that offer, you can go to takecareof.com and use the code ROGUE50, R-O-G-U-E-5-0 for 50% off your first order. Otherwise, if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to roguerunning.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.